Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And there's no Matt. He's absent. Yeah, Matt had class tonight and couldn't be with us. But this is episode 20 for the week of July the 7th, 2017, 7717. Sounds like a lucky number. Yeah, this, <clears throat> this must be a magical show we're going to have for you today, right? I can't believe we're in episode 20 already. I know. It just seems like we just kind of started back in, what, January? Yeah. And here we are, 20 episodes in. and We've done more because we've done you've done TFC Classics. Yeah. We have a horror one coming, and we've done one spoiler cast. Yeah. So it's a little more than 20, but still. Yeah. We're putting out about one a week. We're trying to. It feels like we're <laughs> back on schedule now. Absolutely. And... Uh, Man, we have a good episode for you today. We're going to look at, a little later in the episode, we're going to look at Spider-Man and uh, take a look at it. That was our Thursday night movie. And then we have a Netflix special, a new release that's out on Netflix. Okja, Okja, Okai, Okti. Okja. Okja, okay, that Adam and I have seen. And then we'll get into some uh, coming attractions. We've got a lot of movies coming up to be excited about. So, Adam, what's happening this week, man? Fourth of July weekend. Did you have a good Fourth of July? I did. I did. A lot of time with family. Um, News-wise, there's not much going on. It was quiet. The studios have closed down. Um, they're retooling Han Solo, which we talked about last week. Yep. I haven't really heard much else other than news. Well, it was like you said, a holiday weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. We all we all spent time with the family. You know, long four or five day weekend, and so everybody just kind of chilled. We just kind of relaxed and chilled and. Uh, had a good time. I was happy, though, to uh, get back at it this week and get the kids back doing their summer stuff, you know. Well, this is good news. Baby Driver almost doubled expectations for box office. Sony was hoping for around 15, and it did over 30 for the five-day. So it's a real win for... Yeah, absolutely. It's not an independent movie by any stretch, but it's an original movie. It's not a sequel, not a franchise. And audiences ran to it. I don't know if it was the previews, if it was the marketing, the music. Something brought them there. The good reviews. I mean, it was great on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Something brought out audiences to see something original, which makes me happy. Well, and even the news articles are saying things like, is is this is Edgar Wright rewriting music and film now with this, you know? And uh, we raved and raved and raved and... All week, you know, you know, we talked about this before the show got started tonight and, you know... It, it was one of those movies that literally I could have just turned around and walked right back into the theater and watched it again. And and I think probably, I don't know how many films, if any, this year, I could have, I would say that I would do that, you know. And for me, it's just two. It's been Wonder Woman and Baby Driver. Both of those I've seen twice in theaters. Even now, if I was in the theater over the weekend looking at the, the movie selection, I'd pick Baby Driver to go see again. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was great, and uh, you know that's a testament. Both of them are over overperforming, and then we got you know our regular run- when you go every week to the movies, you start to see the same trailers over and over and over. And so we didn't we didn't get a whole lot really new tonight, did we? In our trailers, I've seen everything they showed. It was no surprise. Nothing new. Nothing from Marvel. Um, now we do have Geostorm coming. Oh boy. The next Roland Emmerich disaster The next movie. disaster flick, right? The weather. The weather's going to destroy us all. I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I, that... And it might be a good movie. I'm not, I haven't seen it yet, you know, you know but it's, isn't that genre a little played out, the disaster flick? I, I don't know. I just... It feels like we only get one a year now, which is good, because at some point we're getting two or three. But how many how many times can you see a giant tidal wave come in and destroy a city that, you know, skyscrapers right on the coastline? I mean, that, it, it does nothing it, for it's me. Like, it's like every single movie has that in it now. But it feels know? like we haven't had one since The Rock did San Andreas, where he flew the helicopter around and saved everyone during yeah. the earthquake. Yeah. Although I think they're remaking Towering Inferno. Because they remake everything in Hollywood. Flatliners. We saw that last week. That was a trailer. I can't believe they're remaking (laughs) Flatliners. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's other things in the well to pull up besides Flatliners. Yeah. And I have to say, we've seen the Valerian trailer. I've seen it several times. And every time I see it, I'm get I, it it hits all it mar- hits all the check marks on my list of a movie I want to go see. You know, so I'm hoping it's really really good. 
Uh, I'm excited for it, you know, so. It's two weeks away at this point, and I got to support it. I want more big budget original sci-fi. Absolutely. You know, we got a, we had Arrival last year, mm-hmm. and that was great. And that it was so wonderful to go to the movies and see a $50, $60, 70000000 million, however, however much they spent on that movie, a heady sci-fi intellectual film. That was just awesome for me, you know. And so I'm going to go see Valerian because I'm like you, Adam. I want to support the genre. I want to support – I want more movies like that made, even if it's just a dud, you know. And if it is, we'll just tell you on the podcast. We're go, we'll, we'll give you our, our thoughts. But I, I want to support good movies, good heady sci-fi, fantasy. That, that's, the, that's kind of my wheelhouse of things that I love. Yeah, and that's how you tell studios what you want. you got to vote with, with your dollars. Ghost in the Shell bombed. You know, and that was, it's not original, but it was a decent run at the material. It wasn't great, but it was perfectly fine. So, yeah. I mean, it just worries that the studio will take a look at that and go, eh. So, so, so. Maybe audiences don't want this. So, Adam, you see a lot more movies than I do, and I see quite a bit of movies. But let me ask you this What do you want in a good trailer? What to you makes a good trailer versus one that you hate? One, I don't want a trailer. That just tells the whole story. There's some where the the three acts are laid out, and you can see the clear path to the end, and you get the idea of the whole movie. Sometimes I like trailers that are just a longer scene, and maybe just getting a feel for what the movie's like, setting the tone. And it may just—it's not just because it's a horror movie. I think one of the best cut trailers right now is it. It is highly effective at selling the movie. It brings you the feeling, the look of it, and yep. a pretty good scare at the end. Yeah. And doesn't really, unless you're familiar with the source material, doesn't really tell you anything about what the movie's no. about. Nope, doesn't lay out the groundwork, doesn't give you the roadmap. Yeah, I agree. For me, I want to be able to get a feel for what is the what is the message of this movie, what is the vibe that this movie has. I don't care, but don't give me details. I, I'm, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Don't give me a bunch of, uh, don't tell me the whole movie. I'd rather have a little more extended scene and then... A 10, 12 second cut to other stuff going on, and then the trailer be over. Then, you know, there's nothing worse than you go, you see a comedy trailer, and every funny joke is in the trailer. Then you go see the movie, and you're like, all the funny stuff was in the trailer, you know? Yeah. So for good trailers, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 had a pretty effective trailer without telling the story. On the other hand, the movie we saw tonight, Spider Man, that trailer lays out the movie. Yeah. That's a roadmap trailer. I, I would not, in, if you're a fan, you've probably already seen the trailer, but I have to agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Anything else, news and notes, Adam? I think I'm ready to jump into Spider-Man. I am too. So you're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music with Spider-Man. Wait a minute. You guys aren't the real Avengers. I can tell Hulk gives it away. Oh, that was awesome. Does Liz get a new top? No, you've seen that before. Never with that skirt. She probably stops staring before it gets creepy, though. Too late. You guys are losers. So to become an Avenger, are there like trials or an interview? Just don't do anything I would do. And definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. There's a little gray area in there and that's where you operate. Oh, all right. That's not a hug, I'm just grabbing the door for you. All right, kid, good luck out there. Okay, it's time for our Thursday night review. And this week we saw Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, and why is it called Homecoming? He's back home at Marvel. Back home at Marvel and, and Sony. High school homecoming theme, that's not a spoiler. Nope. Uh, plays prominently in the film. Yeah, it's a good double use of the word. Yep, absolutely. And uh, if you if you notice this, if you subscribe to our podcast, which every one of you listening should be subscribing to our podcast. But anyway, we're going to do a spoiler cast of Spider-Man 
that'll be a special edition that will come out with this, you know, alongside this, it'd be actually a separate podcast. So this, our discussion today will not, um, get into spoilers that much. We may just tiptoe because if you've seen the trailer, you've seen a good bit of the movie, you know, that's walked you through the journey that Spider-Man has. But uh, Adam, I'm curious, what, what did you think of Spider-Man Homecoming? What, what's your what's your reaction coming out of the theater? So this is our second outing with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. We saw him for the first time in Civil War. He's in that movie maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. But he made an impression. Oh, yeah. It was fun. He's young. Uh, he's got some good one-liners. And that's the important thing about Spider-Man to me is that he's usually a younger character. He's an awkward teenager outside of the suit. He puts the suit on. He gets more confidence. He turns into a smart aleck. He's always making fun of criminals and has one-liners and everything else. So he gains the confidence by being anonymous in the suit. So I think Tom Holland really walks the line pretty well. And I'll go ahead and say I think he's the best Peter Parker Spider-Man that we've seen. Period. Uh, you know, I would have to agree with you. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was, you know, really good. It's it's a Marvel film. You know, they're usually always good. Um, but this really got to the heart of Spider-Man, just like you, you explained it. And this kid is great. I mean, I say kid, he's like 20, 21. Tom Holland, he really embodies everything that Spider-Man is, you know. He's a high school kid. He's kind of a punk at times, you know. He can be have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He can be or know everything. Or know everything. Or he can be very uncomfortable around the ladies or the bullies in the school or whatever, you know. Um, he, he's he's still finding his way, you know. They they they, they say he. And this is not a spoiler. I don't believe, but he's just a sophomore in high school. So he's fifteen. Fifteen years old, you know, and so he's. That's a tough year to be a guy, let alone be Spider-Man, you know, because you're, you're definitely not a kid any longer, but you're not anywhere near a man at that age, you know. Uh, and even that theme is played on a little bit, too. He don't know how to describe himself, you know. Yeah, and that's fun. They have to balance with Spider-Man his life as a superhero and his life as a teenager. So on that front, how do you think they did in this movie between balancing those two elements, him as a teenager, him as the hero? Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I think they did a better job. Not that I'm, this is not a negative at all, but I think they did a better job showing him as a teenager than they maybe did as. I, it was definitely weighted more toward the teenage awkwardness, you know, than they did him becoming Spider-Man or, or fully stepping into his destiny, you know. Um, this was definitely not an origin story. We didn't, you know. Thank God. Uh, thank yes. Absolutely. Not an origin story. It takes place right after, you know, uh, in, in the kind of the same time, right? Yeah. I mean, it feels like a day after yeah. Civil War. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, um, no origin story. And he's not fully, I mean, he's he don't really even know what he's fully capable of, you know? Um, th there's even a couple allusions to, oh, I've never done this before, you know, kind of stuff. So... I think that I think they waited it, and I think they did a little better job with him as Peter Parker, mm -hmm. uh, because Spider Man's still a work in progress. He hadn't fully developed. Yeah, so we have a Spider Man that's still learning all the tricks of the suit that Tony Stark gives him that he used in Civil War. We got a Spider Man that can't even drive, which is funny, and he's just trying to find his way. He wants to be the hero. He wants to be an Avenger, and he starts to neglect school. You know, and that's the thing is he's got to find this balance between his two worlds. Um, Tom Holland's great. The other cast is good, too. I think we should go ahead and jump into uh, Michael absolutely. Keaton. Absolutely, yes. So Michael Keaton, once again, has wings. He's not Birdman. He's now the Vulture. Yep. And I got to say, I think he's top-tier Marvel. Marvel is a little weak on villains, but Keaton's performance and some of the nuances of the villain do make him interesting throughout the movie. He's not just a throwaway villain like some of the other movies we've seen. I think the worst Avenger is still Thor 2. Whatever that Dark Elf was, it's just a cookie-cutter villain. Right. And thankfully, Vulture is not. No, I thought Michael Keaton was excellent. And, and you know, I've really kind of come to like him a lot. I mean, I liked, I liked him in Batman. I know a lot of people maybe didn't, but I, lo I loved him in Batman. Uh, I thought Tim Burton... Um, 
Tim Burton did something original and tried to do something different, and, and I liked that. Um, but over the years, you know, the very first podcast we did, the very first TFC episode was The Founder with Michael Keaton. And I liked his performance in that. I, I liked his his recent performances over the last couple of years. He's really come on. And, man, he can nail being a villain. He's menacing. I mean, he's he's scary. Kind of made me a little nervous. I'm sitting in the theater going, whoa, I don't That guy's got something not all right there, you know, with him. Yeah, he, he definitely brings some good menace to the role. So then we have Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, and she's wasted in this movie. Yeah, I've never really gotten the the hot aunt angle, you know? I mean, okay, you know, um, she's not given any material. She's just filler. All she is is, you know, she has one good moment in the film, and we won't get into that, you know, as as far as spoiler stuff. But she's kind of wasted, yeah. I mean, I don't, and we don't really even get into the relationship at all. No, I will say this: with the Andrew Garfield movies, you had um, Sally Fields play Aunt May, and she's still the top Aunt May in these movies. Uh, she was actually one of the high points of those two movies. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. But they focused more on their relationship, and Aunt May here is just background. Yep, absolutely. Then we have Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Iron Man. Yep. I think they used him the right amount in this movie because he could risk overkill. Yes. And he has a tendency to dominate every scene that he's in. So if you put him in here too much, it becomes a Tony Stark helping Spider-Man movie and not a Spider-Man movie. So I liked how they used him in the movie. I I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, Yeah. I mean, let me put it this way. Captain America 3 was Civil War. That's in no way a Captain America movie. No. They should have just called that Avengers 3 for the most part. Yep. This movie does not get away from Spider-Man. This is still purely a Spider-Man movie that features Tony Stark, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Favreau, Happy Hogan. This has to be his most screen time in any Marvel movie. Absolutely. If you don't know, Happy Hogan is Tony Stark's. He was a bodyguard, then a driver, and he's moving up at Stark Industries. He's moving up the chain. (laughs) <laughs> bumbling up the chain. Yes, bumbling up the chain. Who else, Adam? Any other performances stick out to you? Uh, I like Zendaya. She plays Michelle. She's kind of the weird girl in school that hangs around Peter Parker. And yep. She was pretty funny in her scenes. Yeah. What about um, the girl that played Liz, uh, Laura Harrier? She's fine. I, she's one note. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. It, it's, there's nothing. I didn't really sense a spark between. If if there's anything I would knock on the movie, and it's, this is not really even a knock, it's just there, there wasn't a really, really a spark there. And it may they may have done that intentionally. I, I don't know. but um, I think they're trying to keep us guessing with his friends, too, because this isn't his normal group of friends. Right. His best friend in this movie is not Harry Osborn, the son of the goblin. It's Ned. I don't know where Ned came from. He might be original in this movie, or maybe he's in some form in the comics. And and, uh, uh, what is it? Jacob Batalon, Batalon, uh, played Ned, and and I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I thought he was, I thought he did really well, you know. He's just the jokey sidekick role. Yeah, yeah. And, And he had, here's the cool thing, he, he played a high schooler. He played a teenager, you know? So his lines, his comic lines are teenage comic lines. How, how, if you were Spider-Man and your best friend was in, in your 15, your best friend's a teenager, 15 as well, how would your best friend react? Well, just like Ned did in this movie, you know? Yeah, I, I think the dialogue was well-written for the teen actors. You bought that these were high school kids. It wasn't yeah. like Tobey Maguire near 30 playing a high schooler. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as that's pretty much it for as far as cast and crew for me. Uh, anybody else stand out or anything else you want to mention? Um, what about what about the action sequences? What about the special effects? Um, I think they did a they did a good job sprinkling out the action. It's not front loaded. It's not back loaded. It seemed like it complemented the ongoing story pretty well. Where anytime it might be heading towards a rut, there was an action scene not too far away. Because sometimes in these movies, you can hit a longer dry spell without anything really going right. on. Oh, yeah. So I think the action was spaced out pretty well. It, it varies. Um, you see it in the trailer. We get to see Spider-Man in suburbia, and that's funny. 
Yeah. Without the high-rise buildings, yes. he has less mobility. Yeah. He's not quite as Spider-Man as he should be, right? Which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, I think somebody, one of the guys that was with us tonight made a comment. They thought the special effects got a little cheesy at times. I didn't really see that myself. I thought they were fine. You know, I don't know who did the special effects, but I thought they were okay, in my opinion. The suit that... Um Spider-Man wears is kind of really glossy and it can look kind of fake at times. But if you look at the onset photos, I mean, that was the look of the suit. So, I mean, sometimes he looks like a special effect and he's not. So maybe that is a knock on it. Yeah. And there's a scene on the plane in the trailer and it's kind of dark in the movie. I can't even imagine seeing that part in 3d cause it's a lot of fast cuts, dark yeah. clouds. Yeah. It, it was a little hard to tell what was going on in that fight. But the rest, I thought, was shot pretty well. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, there's a boat scene that's in the trailer uh, that we've seen. I thought it was it didn't look fake or anything. You know, I thought it was okay. Um, what about music and score in this film? You know, anything stand out to you, Adam? Music-wise, it's just I mean they use they license a bunch of songs. Um, they use the Spider-Man score theme song from the old cartoon and it made it kind of a grander orchestral version which i liked yep absolutely but other than that it was just kind of a standard action blockbuster soundtrack i think i laughed once at the music selection but i can't think what it was was there a scene that was funny yeah the song that came on yeah oh i was thinking about that too I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. What about this? This is Marvel taking another chance on a younger director without a big budget feature under his belt. Um, this was John Watts, who did Cop Car, which I really like, the Kevin Bacon kind of thriller about two kids finding oh, yeah. A, yeah. a murderous cop, and then a horror movie, Clown, which was based on a preview in the Grindhouse movie. No, Other- I, I thought he did a good job. I thought, you know... It's really hard to do these auxiliary superhero films when you have the heavyweight of the Avengers looming over everything you do. There's such a tricky balance with if we go too big, the immediate response is, well, if all that was really going on, why didn't the Avengers show up? You know, and they even alluded to that in this film. They kind of made fun of themselves a couple of times, you know, which is always good, I thought. Um, because I think, uh, uh, um, Tony Stark made the comment, well, this is below their pay grade, or this is still even minor for, to get the Avengers involved, you know? Um, and I thought the director did a good job of balancing and, and even the, the people making the movie did a good job of balancing because there was some pretty intense action in this, but it was all seemed localized still to Queens and the area that Spider-Man kind of hangs out in. Yeah, and that's the character of Spider-Man. I mean, even though Tony Stark lives in Stark Tower in New York, he doesn't go out at night and stop bank robberies or chase down criminals. He doesn't. Right. But Spider-Man does. If a woman gets chased into an alley by a thug in the Marvel Universe, it's going to be Spider-Man or Daredevil that pop in and beat up the thugs or yeah. stop an ATM robbery or stop the bank robbers. So, I mean, that's Spider-Man's ecosystem is smaller crime. And this... I don't think this is a spoiler to say that the world is not at threat in this movie. Right. Yeah. It's there's no save the world button that Spider-Man has yeah. to push. Well, you know, you and I made the comment about um, Captain America um, Civil War really was an Avengers movie. Yes. You know, it wasn't a Captain America movie. It was an, a, another vehicle for all the Avengers to get together. And um, Spider-Man was not that, you know, there wasn't every, every Avenger character didn't have to make a cameo or an appearance, you know, cause it's, it's, he's, it's still a developing product. He's still growing as a character. And so I, I liked it. I like the choice to localize it. We don't need it to have, if it's a good story, you don't have to have huge explosions in the world coming to an end. We're, we're almost getting tired of that, you know, sky portals. I don't want to see another sky portal for a long time. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, what else with Spider-Man stuck out to you, Adam? Uh, I thought the script was pretty good. Um, Like I said, it it nicely paces out the action in the scenes. It treats the heroes like teenage boys. I think it does a good job there. 
it gives a somewhat relatable villain. He doesn't have a a grand scheme. He wasn't really betrayed in the past and out for revenge. Um, he makes sense in this world. Because out of all the Marvel heroes, Spider-Man has some of the best villains. Between Goblin, uh, Dr. Octopus, Venom, right? Venom yep. Mysterio. Yep. There's a lot of good ones they can do. Vulture wouldn't have been the top of the list, but I'm glad they picked him. I am too. I mean, I'm telling you, Michael Keaton, if I was Marvel, and I'm not, and that's probably why they're making all this money and having great success, <clears throat> but if I was Marvel... I would keep, you know, Michael Keaton is a good villain, you know. It might be, I don't know, a good idea to see if he ever, you know, comes back or makes another appearance at another time. We don't know if he'll be able to or not without getting into spoilers, you know. But uh, he's very good as a villain. Yeah, so the next time we're going to see Spider-Man will be Avengers 3. Yep. And, I mean, we don't know much about that aside from Thanos is coming. New York is probably on the brink again. And is this the Avengers that's going to be Infinity Wars broken into two parts? Yeah, Avengers 3 and 4 are two parts. Okay. And New York is still recovering from Loki's invasion. You see a lot of that in this movie with the technology lying around everywhere. That is a cool thread that they weave. They always interconnect these movies to let you know this is all one great big universe. And it feels like a Marvel movie. These, these somehow all feel the same. Even when they go a little bit weird, like Doctor Strange or Ant-Man, they yeah. still feel like yep. a Marvel movie. This has it. What is that? You know, because I, I know you're right. It felt like another. It's it's a good movie. This is a good summer movie, you know, to go and have fun and, and enjoy a good story. Yeah, absolutely. It just has that Marvel feel to it. And a good thing you said, summer movie. This is one you go get the big drink, the big popcorn. Yes. And, and just, just sit and enjoy it. Just sit and enjoy it and have fun. You it's know? worth seeing on a big screen. It's not one you necessarily want to wait to see at home. I think the big screen can add some stuff. Yeah. We didn't see it in 3D. I can't speak for the 3D. I prefer not. I had to avoid 3D if I can. So I don't know how the 3D is, but this one is kind of dark. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes at night and 3D tends to be darker when you wear the glasses so I, I don't know about this one yeah absolutely but i can recommend it in normal standard viewing without the 3d or without the imax we didn't see an imax either yeah it was great all right i think that's going to wrap it up for spider-man and again look we're going to do a spoiler cast yep so look for that episode either right before or right after this one it'll it'll get into the queue somehow there so yep through the magic of soundcloud all right when we come back we have a, another movie to review a netflix special Okja. Okja. So you're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music. All right, and welcome back, and uh, we have another movie that we want to review with you uh, tonight on this episode, and that is the Netflix original, Okja. 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 O-K-J-A. Okja. Yes. This is the new film by Bong Joon-ho, or Joon-ho Bong. He kind of flips and flops on movies. It just depends on what movie it is. Yes. Uh, he's a great Korean director who brought us Snowpiercer and The Host. I like The Host a lot. That's about a giant river monster. Nice. Attacking South Korea, and it's different and good. Well, you know, this is a trend that we find ourselves in with these movies. Amazon Studios is doing this. Mm-hmm. Netflix Studios is doing this. They get a very limited release at the theater. Uh, Okja did. It was released. And film festivals. Yeah, and at film festivals. And then it goes straight to Netflix, and you can watch it for free or, you know, if you subscribe to it. And so, Adam, how would you describe, if you're going to describe Okja to a uh, someone who says, yeah, you know, let's turn on Netflix, and they see this OKJA giant hippo and a little girl, how would you describe this film uh, to them? That gives me pause. I have to think how to describe this film. I've not seen the trailer for it. I, I haven't either. I assume there's a trailer out there. Probably so. It might look like a family-friendly rescue-the-pet kind of movie. 
because the movie's about super pigs. Yeah. Which are giant creatures about the size of a hippo. A very large hippo. They look like small, hippos, except small, they have yeah, small ears. Small elephant, big hippo. They have like elephant ears. Right. They're friendly. They're smart. And a company is growing them to be a food source. Yeah, because the world's starvation is rampant in the near future. Yeah. So it looks that way. You might think this is kind of a family movie. But it is really harsh. Very mature content. Yeah. Yes. You know, you see some stuff at a slaughterhouse, and there's language in the movie. They're dropping F bombs left and right. That surprised me. I thought it was a family movie because it's not rated. Right. On Netflix, it's just NR. So I had no idea what I was watching. So I was kind of surprised that this isn't what this isn't what I thought the movie was going to be. Right. So, so with that in mind, what were your initial impressions? Did you like Okja or not? Or can you even, I mean, not to just get right into it, but what did you think? I thought it was well made, but I don't know that I liked the movie. It's not very enjoyable. Um, I don't, you know, it's just not something, you, it's not fun. And it has a clear message. It might be kind of too direct with the message. I mean, it's very clear. Yes. Well, even the cover, you know, if you go to IMDb and you look at the movie poster, it's, you know, Okja with the little girl leading him by a leash. But on top of Okja's back is a factory warehouse. So that kind of clues you in on what's kind of going on here. And uh, I mean, when the movie opens, you know, uh, it's got a good cast, Tilda Swinton, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, you know, so there's some quality actors in this. And then a couple of the younger actors I've seen in other stuff. Paul Dano. Yeah, you know, seen them in other, other other movies and other other TV shows and stuff. Um but and then it goes right into this very lovable relationship with this little girl and this, you know, the premise is a little weird because they decide to take 26 of these super pigs. It's PR. Yeah, for PR and they spread them all over the world <laughs> and they let them grow for 10 years, you know. They're trying to show that this pig can grow in any culture, on any food. On any diet. Anywhere yeah. in the world. It's cold, it's warm, it's rainforest, it's Korea. Yeah. It can grow and be raised by any farmer. Plus, they're trying to cover it up that it's a genetically modified pig. Yeah. Because they have this story. Remember they tell everyone it was a miraculous animal they found and bred? It was created in yeah. a lab. Created in a lab, and it was uh, highly intelligent. Now... Why would you create a food source that's super intelligent? This is a very this is a super intelligent animal, you know. I don't. I, and the other thing is weird. They say the animal's environmentally friendly, like he doesn't eat as much, doesn't make as much waste, and that doesn't seem to be true. Maybe they're just I mean, maybe they're just lying to the public. Yeah, but it I, didn't seem like an animal, and it takes a long time to grow. You, you know, this movie. You know, and we'll try not to spoil everything in the movie, but it is on Netflix. So, you know, pause us and go watch it and come back. I guess, you know, let me give you a little warning. But, you know, I was really taken aback by the way it seems like a child, like a kid's movie, but then it has some way. I mean, just the slaughterhouse itself is horrible. I mean, they show, uh, Matt, you, we've all seen the documentaries of a slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm what happens, how they process the meat. That is all shown. Every part of that is shown. With CG creatures this time, but with, yeah. But with CG, with the, with the CG creatures. And then they go to the laboratory where these, you know, there's a, and, and there's a horrible implied scene kind of there. I'm like, holy crap, what's going on with this movie, you know? And, uh, yeah. It's just, I don't know, it, it seems like a big hot mess to me. And that's the thing I think is interesting about Netflix. I have the feeling they just wrote the check. And they, no oversight, they just let them make a movie. I don't feel like a traditional studio would have allowed this movie to happen. It would have been one or the other. It would have been even more family-friendly yes. in a PG, PG-13 movie. Good, I, I'm not saying a good producer. Go ahead, Adam. Or more adult-oriented and right. less comical and more of a parable for adults 
and not advertise. I mean, this is going to look like a kid's movie and it's not mm-hmm. going to appeal to a lot of adults. I don't think from just a trailer or any kind of marketing material. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, this popped up on my Netflix a couple weeks ago. And until you said, hey, it's kind of a slow week. You know, what else could we watch? How about Okja on uh, Netflix? I would have never, I, when I saw the big pig and the little girl, I never would have turned this on and watched it, you know. Well, my interest has peaked just because of the director. Sure. I liked his other stuff. I wanted yeah. to see what he did with this. And the cast was interesting. Yeah. Um, to me, it seemed, though, it got really preachy at the end of the movie. The message is written on its sleeve and tattooed on its forehead. Yeah. There's no subtlety here. I, I mean, even there's one character that has a moral journey, and he has to learn the importance of his, of his decisions, and he literally tattoos the moral statement on his arm. So when you say that's tattooed on, it, it is that metaphorically. I forgot about that, and, but you're right. And realistically as well. There's no subtlety here. No subtlety whatsoever. This is a movie that wants you to think about what you eat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it might it's effective. I mean, it, it might make some temporary vegetarians. And why I say that, the director, when he made this, turned into a vegetarian. Yeah. But has since reverted. He's only was a temporary vegetarian. <laughs> but he said the Korean barbecue in Korea is so good, he just went back to eating meat. Well, you know, it is Korean barbecue after all. But for those with tender hearts, this movie will have an impact on you. Yes. I mean, it's not. It is definitely not. It is a It is a TVMA or rated R or whatever you would call it. It's, an, it's 17 and older for sure. Um, I, I thought I, you know, some people have said, well, it's just a TV movie. Now this is, this, this is not TV movie production quality. No, that's coming about from the Cannes film festival because it played over there. The word on the street was that the French didn't react very well because it was a Netflix movie. They didn't really view it as cinema. It's just a straight to home video thing. And it's not the theater. Yeah. But quality wise. This is no problem being a theatrical release. The special effects are quite good. Yeah, I, that, I was going to say that as well, too. The, the special effects are very realistic. There is, not only is there is Okja in the high mountains of, of Korea, um, but she also ends up in urban, in the Seoul. city, in Seoul, Korea, yeah. and in the subway system and in the underground mall and destroying things. And, you know, very well done. Absolutely. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that's Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in this movie. I will say this. It's broad. He really goes at it. And I think this is a trend in Asian cinema where sometimes characters are played way too big. There's always somebody in the movie, from what I've seen, that's playing a crazy so-and-so. And they're just doing such a broad yeah. performance. That it really detracts from the movie. I'm not a fan of this type of performance that Gyllenhaal does in this movie. I, I didn't like it at all. I'll be honest with you. It just great. It seemed very formulaic to me. Okay, we've got to have the crazy guy that's our antagonist to get us, or our protagonist to get us to the point where we have this conflict that's going to happen. And uh, he just, he, I'll give it to Jake Gyllenhaal. He played an over-the-top character. He didn't hold back nothing. And then it seems common in the Asian cinema, especially with even her dad. Her dad didn't play like a normal human. Everything was big and animated. His arms are waving around. Oh, yeah. He's just a over-exaggerated character. Yeah. And yeah. Tilda Swinton. I mean, the only normal person in this movie, normal-ish people, were the little girl and the head of the Animal Liberation Front. Paul Dano did a good job in this movie. Uh, he was excellent. Yeah. And uh, Tilda Swinton, she was very much a caricature of a CEO corporate type, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I can't say that I would recommend this movie. Uh, if you're a fan of, of, uh, June Ho Bong or Bong June Ho, if you're a fan of his work, if you like Snowpiercer, which I've seen half of and really liked the first half, um, then yeah, go check it out. So Netflix, what's it going to cost you? Then you're eight bucks a month. You're already paying. Um, and let us know, let us know what you think. Maybe you think it's, uh, maybe we missed something. Some people are, are out there writing. This is the first great Netflix movie, which uh, let me be fair. I like this better than war machine. I watched the Brad Pitt one from may and that wasn't very, I good. haven't been able to get, get myself to watch that. Yeah. But I mean, I'm glad Netflix is doing that. They're, they're really bringing 
I mean, they're making good movies. Yeah. So I'm glad they're trying this. And Okja is maybe my least favorite from Bong Ho Joon, but I'm I'm glad I saw it. It's interesting. It is interesting. And I got to see two types of movies come together and clash. I've never seen that. I've never seen this kind of movie maybe before or not something really like this. Um, So, yeah, that was good. So, But, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is hard to watch. I mean, at the end of the year, if he got a Raspberry nomination for this, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Yeah, me too. (laughs) That's all I could think about when watching that is this this might be the low point (laughs) of his career. The Raspberry Sniper. The movie that he never comes back from. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But that's not his fault. I mean, the director wanted that character, and he did it. Yeah. Hey, cash to check. (laughs) All right. Anything else about Okja? No, I'd like to hear more people's thoughts on this movie. This is one I'd like to have a talk about because, you know, it didn't really work for me because, one, I don't really like message movies. Like I said, this one is very much about think about what you eat. And it didn't have much else for me. It was very formulaic. Right. Any movie like this where the animal gets taken to a city plays out in the exact same format. Always does. There'll, there'll be an escape. You'll think, that, you know, I mean. An escape I, attempt. Escape attempt. And, you know, yeah. Chase through the city. Yeah, very formulaic. Absolutely. So There's no twist. There's no well, surprise. Why don't we start a thread on our Facebook page and just... You guys watch Okja. Watch it and then go to the thread on our Facebook page. I don't know. Can we, and maybe we'll do it on our regular website too. We'll start a discussion on it as well too at thefilmcoterie.com. Um, I want to hear your thoughts as well. What, you know, what, what did you guys think of it? Was it a big pile of, of horse doo doo or, or, or is it a piece of art, a piece of film that we just didn't catch, you know? So, and I'm just indifferent to it. But like I said, I want to hear arguments on both sides because here's a movie. After seeing it, I can sit back and say, you know what? I bet there's some people that really like this, and I bet there's going to be people that really hate it. I ended up middle in the road, but I feel like it's going to be more to the spectrum for this movie for people. People are going to hate it or, or like it, not love it. I don't think anyone's really going to love this movie. Well, but. you know, like you said earlier, when we were doing research on the film, a couple news titles, uh, the greatest film Netflix has ever done. So that guy definitely thought it was it was a good movie, you know? Better than War Machine. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, well, that's going to be close to our end. When we come back after the music, we'll do our coming attractions, and we'll let you know what's coming up on the Film Coder in the weeks to come. We'll see you right after the music. All right, and we are back, and you're listening to the Film Coterie, and it's time for Coming Attractions. We are headed into the best part of the summer, Oh, I'm telling you, folks. Looking at the movies that are upcoming, we have War for the Planet of the Apes, Valerian, Dunkirk, and Dark Tower. This, the next four weeks might be the most anticipated four weeks ever. You know, we, we had a dry spell there at the end of, in, end of winter. June. June. June was a, kind of a dry spell. July is picking up definitely. And so uh, War for Planet of the Apes. What are you thinking about this, Adam? The buzz is so good on this movie. And I think they're going to bring the trilogy home. Matt Reeves coming back for his second one. Um, Andy Serkis just going to do another great performance. Hopefully he can get nominated (coughs) this time. There's always debate about whether a motion captured performance should be up for best actor, best supporting. Andy Serkis above anyone else should deserve something for his his run at Caesar in these movies. Oh, it's it's phenomenal. I, I mean, they almost need to create an, an Academy Award section for... The, I don't even think it should be different. I mean, because here's the thing. If he was just is wearing... This, is he just the best actor, best supporting yeah, actor? Yeah, because if he was just on set wearing a costume like the Tim Burton one or the original ones, he would just get nominated for best actor. Yeah, He's I, still I on set. He's still doing the performance with everyone else. Yes. He's just in PJs with balls on it and gets tracked to motion capture. I, I, I think I think absolutely. I, I am very stoked for War of the Planet of the Apes. And I've loved the first two movies. And I think I actually think the second movie was even better than the yeah. first movie. Yes, absolutely. And so they're almost like they're building up here, you know? I never would have guessed before this project started that you could make this level 
of just Planet of the Apes movies that we haven't seen before. This part of the story. Yeah. And and if they hit it out of the park, which I'm I'm thinking they're probably going to do. I'm I'm going into it thinking it's going to be great. This really opens up a whole world of apes movies. I mean, I, let's go flash forward, you know, t- 2,500 years into the future when mankind has been completely, you know, like the original Planet of the Apes. Maybe, you know, they've kind of set the precedent, haven't they, Adam, in the first or second movie? For in this? the first movie, you see that an astronaut in a prototype spacecraft has gone missing. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm very excited about Planet of the Apes. What about Dunkirk? It's Nolan and it's short. It's under two hours. I'm going to tell you right now, we were at Gateway to see Wonder Woman. And they show, and we saw Wonder Woman in glorious 70 millimeter, which if you ever get a chance to see a movie in 70 millimeter, it's awesome. But anyway, they showed us an extended cut at the Gateway of Dunkirk. The shot, opening. The, the opening, an extended cut, like five minutes of the movie or six minutes of the movie in 70 millimeter, and it is is glorious to watch this was my second time seeing that when i saw rogue one in texas i saw it in imax true imax and they had that before this preview and it's not exactly the first five minutes it's cut right but it's very tense and it's a cross cut of soldiers running with a stretcher trying to make a boat yes incoming bogeys yep tanks taking over the streets and just the tension and everything works really well together yeah, yeah, I, I am so stoked. This might be one of my most anticipated films of the year just because you hit the buzzwords. Nolan, and it's and it's World War II, uh, a genre I love, and the trailers have had such great tension in them. I, I just can't wait to see Dunkirk. And most of our listeners are in Columbus or the central Ohio area. <coughs> You got to know that Gateway in Columbus has it coming in 70 millimeter. Yes. There's no other way to see it. I mean, if you're uh, in the absolutely. area, get a ticket. They charge a little extra for it. It's well worth it. Go it see it in 70 millimeter. The extra four, four or $5 that they're going to charge you, you will not be disappointed. And then that brings us to our third film coming up in the next four weeks, and that's Valerian. City of a Thousand Planets. Yep. The buzz is good on this. It's going to be a mixed bag. We knew that early on. Right. From what we're hearing, the first act is really original. The first half of the movie is really well done and different. And then it kind of settles into a formula, save the universe thing. But that's fine. I just want it to be better than average. And I want more sci-fi like this. Yeah. I'm in agreement. I've not seen such a beautiful, such beautiful images, maybe since uh, Avatar. Fifth element. Or fifth element. I mean, Avatar, when they went to that planet, that was some... Whether you like that movie or hate that movie, that world was incredible. Well realized, too. Well realized. Valerian has that same feel. It's almost like a, at times, a uh, cleaner, utopian version of Fifth Element, but yet still has that underbelly like Fifth Element. So I have high hopes. You know, I'm, I'm really looking for, I want this movie to be really good. Uh, the trailers look great. I think in our group, uh, the four of us that usually go, it was mixed. I think a couple of the guys think "Ah, that could be a big flop, you know, but I'm very much looking forward to it. And then lastly, but not least, is the Dark Tower did not. It it got bumped a week, but, you know, with all the with the no news about this film. And, you know, we've seen the trailer every week, every week that we go. Um but it, it, it kind of alludes to what the story is like. I mean, if you're familiar with the source material, and I am, you already know what the story is. Well, this is new. But this, it, well... They're starting the time loop again. Yes, yeah. Everything's circular in, in Stephen King's. Everything's... It, what's amazing is that it's all the same world to him in his mind. Somehow he's figured out how to make that all the same universe or world. And this is a starting over again, you know. But you know it's the man in black, the villain, and the gunslinger, you know, and uh the gunslinger's hunting the man in black and it's and it's it's got great actors, you know. I, I tell you, I, I think this could be a big hit too. I mean, it looks great. It's just a bummer to the fans that they're not advertising this better. The trailer's mediocre. The posters are terrible. 
they just it's just the two guys standing there. It looks like cowboys and aliens posters. We were looking at bad poster design earlier. Oh. And it's just up there with about the worst thing you could do that anyone signed off on this. This is a sprawling epic. This is the start to a franchise. And the poster you give us is two guys standing in New York. When you have all these other elements in here, other right. worlds and sci-fi and that. Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey just standing on a poster. Yeah, but there is a lot. I mean, there is a lot to appeal to mass audiences. There's a young boy in this, you know, like a teenage boy that's going to play a role in this. You know, um, Matthew McConaughey as the man in black, He, uh, you know, he, he who can be very, who can be menacing as well, too. Um, yeah, and, and, and uh, Idris um, Elba. Elba, thank you, yes. The gunslinger is a pretty cool dude, you know. He's he's kind of got that mojo about him, you know. So I don't, I, I, I'm excited for this. I'm looking forward to the next four weeks. Yeah, I mean, I was over the moon with the casting. I was really happy when they announced the two leads. But then the marketing and what I've seen, it just worries me. because well, there was I, no marketing. No marketing until for now. For forever, up until like three months before the movie, total silence. And I want this to take off. I want the whole franchise. I want the whole story. I'm just worried that this is going to be one and done if audiences don't engage with what yeah. they've put out there to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else in coming attractions that we have to look forward to? Man, it it doesn't just end with the summer because September and October are stacked. I mean, I'm looking at Kingsman Two, Golden yep. Com- or Golden Circle, uh, Blade Runner. Oh yes, we got a lot of really good stuff coming. So it's not ending in August. I mean, there's this could be a really good year. Yep. It's just ramping up, folks. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for the Film Coterie. Stick around. for We're going to have another episode, a spoiler cast of Spider-Man, where we dive totally deep. We'll spoil everything and point out the Easter eggs we saw. Oh, we're going to dive deep into the movie and and give you our full thoughts. Um, I would say, though, we we, we can't vote because Matt's not here, but you and I both thumbs up on on Spider-Man. Yeah, I I absolutely recommend it. (laughs) And I absolutely recommend Spider-Man 2. Um, Okja, uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you don't have anything better to do, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. I'm interested in your thoughts, but I wouldn't recommend it. I'm I'm a pass on that one. Yeah, I I can't recommend it either, but would love to hear your thoughts about the movie. So, all right. So, anyway, that's going to wrap it up for episode 20 of the Film Coterie podcast. Uh, Stick around for another spoiler cast. Uh, It's going to be great. And we'll see you next week.